You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome into our fourth and final hour of our block of outdoor programming heard every Saturday morning. Glad to have you with us. Uh, We'll be celebrating our 30th anniversary of doing the Outdoor Radio Network uh, coming up at the end of July, and we're trying to come up with some ideas on planning a special show. If you've got any suggestions or ideas, I invite you to send that to me. Best way to contact me is email. Go to my webpage, dontheoutdoorsguy.com, and you'll find the Contact Don button right there. And Just send me your, your information on uh, suggestions for our anniversary or if you've got questions or comments. Uh, best way to get me, and we'll pass that along to some of our listeners. All right, uh, one thing I wanted to cover today, this is something dealing with offshore fishing, and it's kind of recent information. Uh, A lot of people were expecting the season on amberjack to reopen uh, on May 1st. Didn't happen. Uh, It's now closed and will be from June 1st to July 31st. Uh, And following that closed season, uh, it's going to reopen on August 1st of 2019 and stay open until October 31st. So it was supposed to open May 1st, but it's not. Uh, the, the, the season, the closed season, it actually closed it a month early. It will remain closed until July 31st, reopens August 1st, and then uh, stay open until the end of October or until the quotas met. You know, that's kind of the, the deal on, on offshore species. There are harvest quotas that are set on every species, and once they determine that that quota has been met, uh, they will shut it down. That's how it works for snapper and many other species. The other species in question is that gray triggerfish. That's going to close on May 11th, so you've only got a few more days to fish for triggerfish. Uh, it will reopen. It will not reopen until March the 1st of 2020. Uh, snapper, May 24th. Um, AJ, again, is going to be closed, and triggers will be closed from May 11th till March of 2020. And there was also that little weird request from the Gulf of uh, Mexico Management Council that wanted to know if you had any strange things dealing with triggerfish. Uh, I've never seen a request for public input to describe quite, quite that way, and I'm not quite sure what they're looking for when they say strange trends or things dealing with triggerfish. So anyway, i, I got to research that, and maybe by next week I'll have some update on exactly what they would like you to tell them. But they're asking both anglers and divers to provide them information. All right, speaking of fish closings and openings, whew, speckled trout. Uh, we're going to be in for a ride on speckled trout. You know, we, we kind of broke the story a little early, actually, that a draft uh, of the study that they are required, I'm talking about the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, is requ- required by law to do periodically. Uh, the the results showed that the numbers were down and that the species has been overfished for a number of years and is currently being overfished. Well, they rather than submit that report as is to the commission for further action, they decided to reassess it uh, to get a little bit more complete information before they make any recommendations. And we know that something is going to happen uh, unless the some kind of way the results change and it shows that they're not overfished and that there is an abundance of speckled trout but i'm not sure that's going to happen 
But if it does, then you can rest assured that we're going to have some recommendations on decreasing the catch of speckled trout in order to reestablish the population. And we put up a poll last month asking anglers their opinions that if, in fact, the belt has to be tightened, uh, how would you prefer to see it done? And I am very much hoping that our Department of Wildlife and Fisheries will seek input from the user group, user group being people who have saltwater licenses and fish for speckled trout, on what they would like or how they would like to see the end goal accomplished. And normally when you've got a situation where you've got a species that's down, it's overfished, underpopulation, there's usually more than one way to skin the cat. There's several ways to get there. And picking which way to get there, I think, should be largely left up to the fishermen. So we put out some scenarios of possibilities, and I guess this is all speculation on what might be done if we fact the, the results come back and say, yeah, we were right on our evaluation. The speckled trout population is being overfished, and we need to change that. And what we did was we asked you, the listeners, which would you like to see? And here were the final results. The overwhelming majority, and it started out early in the poll and it stayed right on through consistently, uh, 70% of the people responding to our poll said they would prefer to see the limit, if we had to do it, somewhere between 10 and 15 per person per day. Right now, the limit on speckled trout is 25 per person, minimum of 12 inches. And 70% said they'd like to keep the 12-inch minimum but reduce it from 25 down to between 10 and 15. Uh, 17%, this was the second highest group, they were for an increase in the minimum size. Uh, the thinking there, the reason we have a 12-inch is because speckled trout become mature enough to spawn and reproduce at 12 inches. So by leaving those fish in the water, they will at least get one spawn out of them, which could mean a, a huge difference in the amount of fish. Well, 17% would like to see that increase, which would mean you would be able to keep fewer fish because you're going to have to re release more of them based on the size, but you will catch bigger fish. 4% said they would like to see a slot limit. And I'm not sure a slot limit would accomplish keeping the population, which would mean you would you would have a, a minimum size, whether it's 12, 13, 14, 15, wherever they set it, and then you'd have a top end, a maximum size, which anything over that would have to be released, uh, similar to what we have in redfish. Now, I can tell you this. Redfish biologically are quite a bit different than speckled trout. Uh, it takes about uh, somewhere 9 or 10 years for a redfish to become sexually mature, and they spawn offshore. So a redfish has to live longer, get to a bigger size before it can spawn. So by having that that slot limit and keeping those 27-inch ones, which are the big breeders and spawners, in the pool, the gene pool, and in the water in the Gulf, then you certainly increasing the number of speck of, of redfish that are spawned. Speckled trout are quite a bit different. The older a speckled trout gets, the more prolific breeders and egg layers and spawners are the younger fish uh, and I've had it compared to you know described to me a comparison between a 20 year old woman 
versus a 50-year-old woman as far as which one is the better breeder. So a lot of people say they've got a big trout, 27, 28 inches. Oh, that fish should be released because it's, it's, a, it's a very valuable spawner. Well, it is in the sense that its DNA at least has the proclivity to become that size, which you like to hear, trophy trout size. But at the same time, it's, it's not as fertile as a young female. So by releasing it, you may be thinking you're doing a lot for the species, but you're really not. You're releasing a fish that has a much poor. You'd be better off releasing a 13 or 14-inch speckled trout, not knowing whether it's got the DNA to become a big fish eventually or its spawn will, but it will certainly put out a, a broader number of eggs and produce more fish, which I think is what this whole problem is about is the overall population not necessarily the quality of the fish so anyway that's a long description but that's the slot angle another four percent said they would like to see open and closed seasons Uh, by doing that you certainly keep more fish in the water because you limit the amount of time and effort that anglers are going to make to get out there and get them or maybe you don't maybe they'll fish more during the open season and then they'll do something else during the close season. In other words, if someone makes 12 trips a year, they, they'll make their 12 trips, but it'll all be during the open season. So that's a 4%. Uh, another 4% said they don't want any change at all. And they don't care whether the speckled trout numbers are down, up, perfect, whatever. Don't change it. Leave it at 25 per person per day and a 12-inch minimum. Then we had zero that wanted to limit the number of anglers. If it's an overfishing problem and you cut back the number of people competing for them, and that'll leave more fish in the water. Nobody is for that. Then we had, and and this is a real possibility from some of the the numbers I've heard it would take to bring a population back, is that going from 25 to 15 or even 10 might not get the job done. Because if the average angler catches like three or four speckled trout per trip, and that's realistically what it is, and I'm not talking about charter guides who are out there every day with a lot of knowledge and sophisticated equipment, and they're catching close to limits or near limits. I'm talking about average people, and there are a lot more of them than there are charter captains, who go out and they blank. They don't catch a fish on several trips, so it brings the, the average catch down uh, to three or four per person per day. And nobody wanted to go less than 10 fish per person per day. And that might be what it takes. So, anyway, it's going to be very, very interesting. And I've often compared this to what Alabama is doing. They seem to have the same situation. And when we come back from this break, I'll explain the Alabama philosophy of restoring speckled trout versus what we know or what we suspect Louisiana will do. Back with that right after this pause. You're listening to More Outdoors, WWL 105.3 FM HD2. Welcome back and continuing our discussion on the speckled trout situation in Louisiana. Um, we're not the only ones that suspect that we have a, a, a shortage of a speckled trout population. Alabama has also recognized it. And they consider the flounder to be even a bigger problem, but flounder discussion is another topic for another day. But their speckled trout uh, problem, they think, is a result of a shift in the fishing effort. Uh, they went from 50,000 fishing trips a year, that was in the early 1990s, to more than 500,000 in 2011. That's 10 times the amount of effort. 
and according to their biologist, uh, who is a fellow by the name of Scott Bannon, uh, he says that the fishery cannot sustain itself under that amount of pressure. So uh, he said that many of the anglers, and, and they have already gone out and did what I did on my poll, but the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries in Louisiana has not yet done, and I'm hoping they will, is go out and reach out to the speckled trout users and ask what they would support. He says that most have reported uh, or support a reduction in the 10-fish bag limit. They've got a 10-fish current limit. They're even talking about tightening the belt even more, and they're supporting that. He also said that they've supported a, a, a slot limit or an increase in the minimum size, and that's 14 inches right now. So they are much tighter than, than Louisiana is. They've got a 12-inch minimum in a 10-fish bag. We've got a 12-inch minimum in a 25-fish bag. Uh, he says if they go to a slot limit on trout, they'll allow one oversized, like we do on the redfish. And the key in his comment here is the goal would be for anglers to catch larger fish more consistently. Now, if that's what the Alabama anglers want, that's what a slot will give you. But in Louisiana, I'm not quite so sure, and I don't think we really know, if the saltwater anglers here prefer to catch one big trout, or would you prefer to catch 10 to 15 or more smaller trout? And I don't think that question's been asked in a formal opinion survey to anglers. Uh, they also said that they're including, uh, they're considering to go to 15 inches. And just that one-inch difference from 14 to 15 would allow 227,000 trout to go back to the water. If they went a full two-inch increase, 16, that would mean 400,000 fish, more fish, would be returned to the water each year. And finally, they are extending invitation to for comments on their proposed changes to the regulations and I haven't seen the final results, but I'll be getting that and looking at it. And hopefully we'll see the state of Louisiana behaving in a similar manner and reach out through surveys or public hearings uh, when they determine what the number is, what the goal is, where are we with speckled trout precisely, and where do we need to be with that spawning potential ratio to have a safe, sustainable population. Then offer to the fishermen, this, this is where we want to be. Here are the different ways to get there. Let's try it. Which one do you want? Which do you prefer? And then let the anglers be part of the system. And after all, that's who they're public servants, and that's who they're serving is the fishing public. And moving that over to the turkey situation, it's different in that the empirical evidence out there does not match the biological evidence. I think on speckled trout it does. You can talk to anyone that's fished for any amount of years for speckled trout in Louisiana, and they will tell you things are have not been as good the last few years as they had been. And the biologists are saying the same thing. Their evaluation is not complete, but preliminarily that's what they've said. Turkey populations, I'm not quite so sure it's the same thing. Biologists with the state say population is down. We had to cut the limit recently to from three to two. We had to move the seasons back to allow more gobbling adult birds to breed. Um, you know, we had to cut it back because of Hurricane Katrina. 
they they're taking away, taking away, but never really getting the public involved for what they see. And I think Alabama does that with their turkey population. They got four hundred thousand. I mean, four hundred. Excuse me, cooperators who regularly report to them what they see and hear in terms of the turkey population. That's a lot of folks providing a lot of good data. People that are in the woods, hands-on experience, trail cameras, visits to the woods, which there's no way, let's face it, the Louisiana biologists who are setting our regulations and season dates, they're just a, a skeleton crew, basically, if you compare it to 400 cooperators. They say that they've done surveys. I don't know how long it's been. I don't know anyone that got a survey. I don't know how extensive it is. I don't know how solid and good their information is. I've requested an overview of the program to kind of look at it. I've suggested that maybe they contact the users, get the users involved in it to provide some of that data, and also maybe the possibility of of doing a little bit more intensive uh, dividing of the, the state zones, creating more zones. We've got some areas where probably they need those very restrictive limits and season dates. But there's other areas where there seems to be no problem. In fact, turkey populations, according to what the people who are there and lease and manage it on their own property say, are on the increase. So anyway, we put a poll up for that, and I'm not surprised at the results so far. We're asking you three simple questions. Um, You know, according to what you see, do you believe the turkey regulations and seasons are too restrictive in Louisiana, not restrictive enough, or perfect? And right now it's sitting on a big 100%, so they're too restrictive. You know, we've got dates that have been pushed out of the peak of gobbling, um, and that was done intentionally. Uh, They're getting information supposedly from surveys. I don't know of anyone that's gotten a survey. Uh, They've been in the field, but I think that's kind of been limited to Kasachee National Forest, which is certainly not representative of the entire state. And um, as far as... um, you know, the, the, the poll counts or the tagging, which are two other methods, um, the, reading the tags, they estimate 30% are not reported. But my question is, how do you know it's not 40 or 50 or 60 or 70% of turkey hunters who kill turkeys don't use the tag or they use it and don't report it? And then they don't get the data. Theoretically, every turkey that is killed in Louisiana is accounted for. Because if you've got a lifetime license or you've got a youth under license age, they still have to have turkey tags to be legal. And I I think they're getting some very false readings uh, because of the methodology they're using, and I think that needs to be changed. And then getting back to, like, the speckled trout, if it is proven, and I question it, but if it is fact that uh, the Louisiana turkey population is over. Uh, harvested, there's too much effort for the amount of birds and habitat we've got, and we got to do something. Involve the public. Ask the public like Alabama asked their fishermen, and like we did on our poll for the speckled trout fishermen. Do you want to go to one bird, but you want to keep it during the peak of the gobbling season? Do you want more days, but in a less, in, in, a, in a not quite as prime time? Those things would reduce harvest. What about uh, eliminating taking the young birds, the jakes, going to mature birds only, leaving the jakes to do the breeding. I think there's other options. I don't know whether they have the answers on to 
what those moves would do as far as getting to the goal of the numbers they want. But it certainly bears looking into, and we're going to get Cody Setatal to come on the air, and we're going to discuss it, and I want to get more input from you, the listeners, and certainly you're welcome to email me with comments about your turkey area, what you're seeing, how you're seeing it, when the birds gobbled, when they started, when they stopped. Do you think the restrictions, like our poll, are too restrictive, not restrictive enough, or are they good to go like they are? All of that stuff is debatable, and uh, I think it's something that's very important uh, to do, is to involve the public in the managing of our resources, perhaps going to uh, tags like they do on DMAP, you know, to allow the taking of does on places that have an abundance of them. Maybe something like that could be done with the turkey populations to allow the leases and the clubs that have good, viable, thriving turkey populations to have longer seasons and to take a more generous limit, but you've got to enforce that tagging, and I just don't see it. You know, they get out there and they enforce the baiting laws pretty good, but as far as tagging, mm, not sure, and it's hard to do. I think you have to put the motivation in there for people to respond to the tagging. I don't think any amount of enforcement threat is going to get people to comply with tagging and maybe some people just think it's just too much trouble to rip off a tag and then make a phone call or go online to report it within a a certain number of hours but that's what the law requires but even though it's a requirement of the law that doesn't mean people are going to abide by it unless there's something in it for them and I, I think there's some creative ways to do that I know they used to do reporting turkeys while not mandatory it made you eligible for receiving prizes by drawing. They gave away shotguns and that type of thing. And they got a pretty good uh, participation in that. So, anyway, things to think about. If you've got any ideas on our turkey seasons in Louisiana, good, bad, indifferent suggestions, better management programs, love to hear from you. Best way, again, my email, you'll find me at dontheoutdoorsguy.com. All right, coming back after this, uh, we're going to talk to Wanda Stewart. She's putting together a ladies' fishing seminar, and it's more than just about how to catch fish, but that's a good part of it too, but about using the equipment, learning to do that, and getting out there and enjoying one of the fastest-growing segments of the fishing industry, and that's ladies' fishing. Also going to give you, get your paper and paper ready. How to fish and hunt and still have a happy marriage? Yeah, you can do all three. I'll tell you how to read a booklet about doing it coming back after this. I want to remind you to send me in uh, your vote for the most dangerous boating location that you uh, venture into. We're trying to develop a list of the 10 most dangerous boat locations. I got quite a few of them in now, and the running looks like this. The the jump uh, in Venice on opening day of duck season. Uh, The Delacro launch doing a good trout bite. They said it looks like a scene from Jaws. Another one, uh, and this is probably my pet hazardous location, the Spoilbank Canal, Hopedale, where you got to navigate around the Mystigo. That is a, really a, an accident for a place that looking for a place to happen. All right, Chef Pass Rocks, uh, the Tickfar River, where they got the combination of music and drinking and poker runs. Uh, same kind of problem on the Diversion Canal, Amy River, uh, South Pass Venice Jetties, and here's a vote for the Reggio launch during the opening morning of duck season. It's poorly lit, narrow, and everybody trying to get in there at one time. If you've got a favorite spot, not favorite, but least favorite to venture to because of boat hazards, uh, send it to me. You can send it to me on uh, on my website, dontheoutdoorsguy.com. Just use the contact. We're going to talk more about this with Paul Bernard. Uh, Paul is the Recreational Boating Safety Program Manager for the U.S. Coast Guard's 8th District. 
And on May 18th, that's a Saturday from 10 to 2, uh, they'll be kicking off National Safe Boating Week with an open house at the Coast Guard Station right there in the Bucktown Harbor. And the public is uh, welcome to come by land or by sea. You can bring your boat. Uh, it's going to kind of be a festival, free food, fun games, door prizes, demonstrators of bo- demonstrations for boaters of all ages. You can view the newest uh, life-saving technology. They'll have a state-of-the-art wireless engine cutoff switch, um, inflatable life jackets, electric SOS distress lights, instead of the old flares that people used to use and let them go bad. Uh, the power squadron's going to be there, Coast Guard Auxiliary. And you can bring your boat by for a free courtesy check. And if you, you, if you can trail your boat or you can bring it in by water, if you pass the examination, you get a certification sticker. And let me tell you, the, the wildlife and fishery agents... When they see someone that has passed a safe boating and equipment check certification sticker, they love to see that. Anyway, all this is going to be going on. We're going to talk to uh, Paul next week at 7 o'clock on this program right here. And if you've got any questions about it uh, or safe boating or programs or courses, uh, he'll be here to talk about it. Also bring up some things, some points and issues that I think are a lot of people really overlook. There's so much to operating a boat safely, so much more than than vehicles. Anyway, we're going to talk about another event coming up, and that's going to be hosted by Wanda Stewart, and it's a ladies' fishing seminar, but much more than just the fishing aspect, and Wanda joins us now. Hey, Wanda, how you doing this morning? Uh, good morning, Don. How you doing? Good, good. Listen, I don't know how to introduce you, Wanda. You do so many things <laughs> in so many aspects. Tell people what it is you do. Well, I'm mainly right now promotional advertising for our fishing industry, but I've got a lot of things going on with the women coming on board. And every event that I do, I have more and more women that come up to me and say, hey, look, I got a boat, but I have trouble launching it. I need I need some help with that. There's electrical problems. They want to buy uh, fishing gear. So right now that's what the seminar is going to be focused around. And um, that's, that's, I'm, I'm happy that you're having me on the show this morning. Well, very good, Wanda, and I'm glad you decided to put this out because I think it's something that's very, very needed and very necessary. Give us the rundown on what ladies who come are going to be doing and seeing and demonstrations that are going to be going on. Well, I'm going to have somebody there basically that's going to explain the electronics of the boat and issues, some of the simple things like what happens with the when the motor doesn't start. We, get, we got out on the water the other day. A lady had a boat. We got it launched, and it didn't start. She just spent $3,500 to get that motor fixed. And I'm thinking, okay, we got a problem here. So who do I call? Who do I send her to? Those are the kind of things that I'm dealing with. I need resources. I need doors to open for these ladies to say, here, this is what I can help you with. And as far as the gear, the tackle, um, you know, somebody walks up and they want to buy a bait cast or $300 rod and reel, you know. Never used one before, guess what? I can't teach them. I need somebody to send them to. So that's what this is going to be about. I'm going to have educators there that's going to educate these ladies on all of these issues. Very good. You know, you might want to add in the boating safety aspect if you have time. I can give you Paul Bernard's contact information. And uh, he's very uh, active and he really wants to get the ball rolling with the boating safety and spread the word and kind of turn the tables on the statistics that have been coming in lately and if not you could maybe let the ladies know about this uh, seminar that's coming up next week well actually it'll be on the 18th he'll be on with me next week but out there at bucktown they're going to be doing safety checks and 
a lot of information about the latest rescue devices and information on safe boating, which is a big, big part of it. Um, what is, where's the location going to be in the time? Okay, it's going to be May the 17th, and it's going to be at the Lutheran Church Auditorium on God's Boulevard. Okay, that's in Slidell, Gauze Boulevard. In Slidell, I'm sorry. In Slidell, it's going to be from 6 to 10, and that's going to be on a Friday. We're, we're going to have a dinner, and we're going to have a drawing for a charter trip. We're going to have a lot of different door prizes. We'll have a raffle, and it's all going to be free. It's all going to be for the ladies. All they got to do is show up. It's, it's also going to be, we'll have tables set up. Um, I think the uh, property psychic is going to be there. I've asked some of the other, um, just like George Speavy, Gritter Griffin, and I've asked Bobby Miller. Never, It's tentative right now, but we're going to have a lot of educators there. They're, I'll be able to fill in any spots that anybody backs out of. Very good. Um, now, you say there's no cost to it. Do they need to... Register in advance, or can they just show up? Or can, do you, they can you just might show up. But I would, I would like to get a head count because you know we are going to have a dinner. I'd like to get a head count. Anybody that's interested in coming, they can call me at nine eight five two seven six zero two eight seven. They can message me, if, and if anybody's interested in being there to help educate these ladies, I would love to have them on board. Well, maybe I'll get Paul to give you a call, and if you'd like to include that safe boating uh, as a portion of it, that I'm would sure be awesome. That would be awesome, yeah. you know. And I've reached out to a lot of people, and I'm going to continue until the event happens, and I'm hoping to have a large group there. And this is all for the ladies. I've got a couple of ladies that are wanting to become guides. They need, you know, they need a little bit of help in that area. I mean, it's not just going out and getting your guide license. You know, there's a lot of experience that has to go into that. And I know some guys that's been doing it for 20 to 30 years. And they're still learning, but they're great teachers too. They're very good teachers, and I would love to have some of them there as well. Yeah, and they probably could use a little bit of uh, expertise on 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 being a business, operating a business, because that's what oh, yes, fishing yes. really is. Oh yes, it's you know it's not just going out and getting your license. And another thing we're going to be targeting is single women that have kids to get them on a boat to get them on a fishing trip. These women can't afford to charter a guide. They can't even some of them can't even afford to buy a rod and reel for their kids. So we're going to be targeting some of these women to help them out, you know, for different events and uh, just getting them on the boat with their children and saying, hey, this is what it's about. This is what we're doing, and this is where this is going to be going. And even if they don't get them on a boat, you know, show them the places where they can do some bank fishing with the kids. Oh, yeah, bank fishing is, oh, yes, I love bank fishing. I stop every now and then, talk to people, take pictures, do video. I love it. And uh, I can stop on the side of the road and fish anytime. I always have a rod and reel in my truck. (laughs) That's one of the most uh, requested pieces of information. I get questions, I get asked where, you know, it's usually from a single mom, and she says, I don't know where to start. How do I learn about fishing, and where can I take my child and fish safely from the bank? And I've got a little list of places, and there's some places that are safe, and they have the facilities they need, and, you know, we can kind of direct them there. But this is great that you're putting this on. Again, that's going to be Friday evening, May 17th, 6 to 10 p.m., at the Lutheran Church on Gauze Boulevard in Slidell. Give your number out one more time, and maybe uh, if you have an email contact, too, or on Facebook if people want to contact you and get okay, registered yep. or ask more questions. Yeah, well, my Facebook, everybody pretty much knows, is Wanda Stewart. Uh, it's a public uh, Facebook. You can message me there. My phone number is 985-276-0287, and my email address is Rod and Real Girl Fishing 
at gmail.com. Sounds good. Thank you so much for putting that on, and thanks for taking time and coming on with us today. You're not fishing today with this weather? I'm going to try to go bank fishing over here in Cocodry because they're catching some big trout. That's what so, I hear. That's what I yeah, hear. Good I'm luck actually, to you. I'm going to be on, I'm going to be on the side of the road in about an hour if the, if the rain doesn't okay. hit. <laughs> All right. But thank Can't you so keep much you for down. having me on, Don. Welcome as always. Thank you, Wanda. Okay. Talk to you later. I uh, hope you catch a bunch off the bank down there. I'll be putting up pictures right. if I do. All right, there on. you go. We know that. <laughs> Wanda Stewart, uh, one of our extraordinary lady fisher persons. All right, we come back after this. Uh, i got some more text messages coming in. Also got some emails and some requests. I'm going to tell you a little bit more details about that safe boating issue and also some calendar items. If you want to make plans to fish in some rodeos and tournaments, got some of that for you. And also Bayou Wild. We've got uh, some special weekend broadcast of our current show that's going on right now. I'll tell you where and when you can watch those. And a whole lot more. We're going to cram it into these last 17 minutes right here on More Outdoors. And welcome back in. More Outdoors. Got a few more minutes to go. If you got a question or a comment, we welcome it. 504-260-6368. Text message board open for you at 870-870. Uh, Bayou Wild TV. Got a couple things going on. Uh, it's giveaway time. If you've looked at our Facebook page lately, uh, we will be celebrating 4,000 Facebook followers that we have accumulated uh, since we began the program, which was last year, we're in season number two right now, and we're going to be giving away a brand new Bayou Wild hat, and we got some new colors and designs if you check it out at our Bayou Wild TV collection on our webpage at BayouWildTV.com. Lots of stuff you can find there. You can look at all the programs on the YouTube selection. Uh, we're also going to include a pack of those custom-made Soon to be highly sought after, Mardi Gras, Mad Martha, Redfish Killers now. Okay, that title's been, that's new. At first it was just a Mardi Gras, Mad Martha. Now it's Redfish Killers. Well, in case you haven't heard about that bait and you haven't seen it yet because it's yet to air, but uh, Martha and I visited uh, Zach Dubois. He is the owner-operator of Cajun Lures. His slogan is, Catch em on a Cajun. And what we did was we designed a bait that we wanted to use, and he produced them. Uh, mine is called the Dandy Donnie, and hers is the Mardi Gras Mad Martha. And since uh, this past Thursday, I see Redfish Killers <laughs> has been added to it. And I got to tell you now, she smoked me with that bait. She was putting it on him with that bait. Um, and I fished with mine. Well, I didn't fish with it all the time. I fished with it for about an hour. Uh, I got one hit on it, didn't land the fish, but I think it's still a bait to be reckoned with. This is not over, this competition between Martha and I. Anyway, they're also going to be a, a whole grab bag full of fish and tackle, and you can win it uh, asking you to comment on your favorite feature that you remember seeing or that you can go online and view and tell us what that is, and then all the ones who pick the most popular one, in other words, the one that has been seen by the most viewers, uh, then those names will be dropped into a hat and randomly drawn to win the prize. And if you go there, you can also see that those two baits, too, of uh, mine and Martha's. Anyway, uh, the program is airing this weekend. Um, we got an airing uh, coming up on this morning at 9 o'clock. That is about, uh, about 10 minutes away on CST, Cox Sports TV, Channel 37, Check your local listing for CST, uh, where you can find it on your system. 
Uh, it's Cox Sports Television. Tomorrow at 8 a.m., and then our regular Sunday airing at primetime, 7 p.m. And there's a schedule. Oh, wow, we got all kind of airings on Tuesday, Thursday. And then again next week, uh, Thursday's our regular 7 p.m. primetime airing. What you're going to see this week is all about crawfish. We're in the peak of crawfish season right now. We made a trip down to Mrs. Rose Bed and Breakfast in Kaplan, Louisiana, and Barry Toops there has got a great operation. You can either take the puddle nets and set them out if you like to do that, bring the kids with you. There's clean banks, uh, restroom, everything you need, all the comforts there, and catch you a mess of crawfish and take them home. And you get to stay there at uh, Mrs. Rose's. It's a, a refurbished kind of a Cajun cottage, I would call it. He's also got a little gazebo in the back. He's done some improvements since we've even been there. But uh, the TV show shows Martha and I becoming part of the crawfish catching crew. We did it both ways with the uh, the set nets. We also did the crawfish in the crawfish boat, and then we boiled the crawfish. And the other part of that is once you get your crawfish, well, you got to know how to boil them. And I know a lot of you are expert and know how to boil crawfish, but I did a segment called High-Tech Crawfish Boiling, and it involves a, a pot system that is, I consider, state-of-the-art, biggest not biggest, but best and fastest way, uh, using propane rather than natural gas. It burns hotter, and also the seasoning, and a product called the Boil Boss, which is a really neat little product that doesn't dilute your, your boil, your water, but at the same time does that very important cool down at the end of the boil while they're soaking to absorb the seasoning. Anyway, we've also got a, a recipe from John Foltz. It's a, one of our great programs. So check it out, Bayou Wild TV. Other regular airings, if you, because people tell me all the time, ah, I don't get Cox Sports TV. Well, you can go online if you got a computer or a smartphone and go to Bayou Wild TV on YouTube and watch any episode you want, any time you want. Or we have a regular airing on Channel 54, My 54, which is a sister station of WWL Radio. That's Channel 54. It airs at 4 a.m. very early tomorrow morning on Sunday. But you've, of course, got a DVR. You can tape it and watch it at your convenience. Those of you listening in the Baton Rouge area, we air on WBRZ Channel 2 on Saturday mornings at 6.30. Uh, they also have a plus channel, and there's some extra airings there. Uh, those of you down the bayou on either ETEL system or Vision Cable systems, uh, check the time in the listing there. You can watch it there. So it's it's readily available, and I think you'll enjoy watching the show. It's, it's a different kind of outdoor show. You know, uh, I've been doing radio now for over 30 years. We'll be celebrating our 30th anniversary. By the way, it reminds me, again, to, if you've got any suggestions for what might make a nice 30-year anniversary celebration. July 27th is the big date when we'll be on the air for 30 years. Let me know because we're trying to put together uh, some type of a celebration for the anniversary. But I've been doing TV for over 20 years, and there were so few TV outdoor shows back then that, you know, wow, it was like, give us something. We'll watch anything. And now there's such a proliferation because of so many channels and cable systems and Internet broadcasting and uh, Facebook and websites and everything seems to have fishing video and hunting video on it. Um, People are looking for something different. You know, the old two guys in a boat talking and catching fish, eh, you know, a lot of people get bored with that. 
A uh, guy sitting for hours in a deer stand waiting to kill a deer with music playing. That's kind of getting old school. Uh, you got to look for new things. And, and I'm not talking about the sensationalism. Uh, there's a lot of that out there. There's a lot of bikinis out there, which attracts a different kind of audience. But there's also, you know, people that are doing uh, different revolutionary-type broadcasts. And, and that's what we try to do with Bayou Wild. Uh, our, our motto is adventure, sportsmanship, and heritage. And what we try to do is, is look beyond the actual hunting and fishing sports themselves. Uh, we, we've profiled the people, uh, the culture, uh, the, the nature, the wildlife, the resources themselves. And, and do it in a way where, you know, you can actually feel like you're there and you can enjoy it and relate to it much more. And uh, I think you'll enjoy the program. We've had some good response to it. And, and tell us what you think about it. We'd love to get feedback on the show. You can send it to us. Uh, we have an email on our website, BayouWildTV.com. Or you can send it to me on my website, Outdoors with Don Dubuque. Uh, that's the, the OWDD. Uh, you can do DonTheOutdoorsGuide.com. There's a lot of ways to get a hold of us, and, and we'd love to hear from you. All right, before we go, i got a couple more things i got to get in. Somebody uh, said their, their marriage may be in trouble, so they want that book. <laughs> okay. How to Fish and Hunt and Still Have a Happy Marriage. I could have wrote this book. I really could have. This booklet is what I'm going to call it because I lived it, and I understand it. And, boy, I tell you what, these little chapters – on communication and coming home and putting her first and uh, dedication. This really hits home. It is well worth the 10-minute read that it is. And i got to thank John J. Weiler. I can't thank him enough for, for putting this out because this is such a valuable little booklet. And he's made it even easier. He's offering them free of charge to listeners. All you have to do is email him, give him your name and address, tell him you're a listener, and he'll put one in the mail for you. And again, let me give you this slowly, and I've got to get this up on my website where people can see it. It's J. In fact, I may put it on Facebook later. J. Weiler. That's J. W. E. I. L. E. R. At W. R. Taxlaw. Dot com. And that's his name, John J. Weiler. Uh, he's an attorney in the city of New Orleans, but uh, believe me, he's a he's a very thoughtful author, and he put. A lot into this little booklet. It's got some illustrations in it, kind of neat-looking stuff. Uh, it's very short. Got about, you know, ten chapters, which, you know, may, uh, maybe there's a couple paragraphs, maybe three paragraphs to each one. So it's not a long, belated reading. But, boy, it's got some very, very good to-the-point information in it. So check that out <clears throat> uh, if you want to get a copy. If you missed that, if you're driving, uh, contact me on my website, and I'll send you the, the email address again. Last thing I wanted to mention, uh, some folks kind of caught portions of our interview with Adam McDowell on the high school bass fishing and want to know what that's all about. Uh, the Louisiana High School Athletic Association is going to investigate. It's not a done deal, but based on the results of a survey they sent out to the 404 member schools, they got 223 responses, uh, and a third of those said that they wish the LHSAA would incorporate bass fishing as a sport, and that supersedes the number of requir required uh, requests that they need to add a sport. In other words, they need 100 or so uh, to, to say, we want to do it before they'll investigate. Well, they got more than that. They went over that by 100. 
So uh, they're talking about maybe looking at a playoff format, uh, four regional tournaments, two in North Louisiana, two down south. There's no details yet for this, uh, but certainly it's uh, a welcome addition if they can get this going. And the reason it came out was because the public has asked for it. And they've got waiting support from some of the major bass fishing organizations who want to get on this. And certainly they recognize that the future of the sport of bass fishing uh, lies in the youth, and if the kids are not out there getting in a love for it and fishing and involvement, then it goes away. But as long as you keep bringing kids into it and their kids and their kids, it stays around with us. I'm thinking that they really should incorporate maybe some redfish tournaments for the people that fish saltwater and really don't have the resources that's required to fish bass. You can get away with a lot less uh, deluxe or equipped equipment boating, boat especially, for freshwater, for saltwater fishing, and fresh, although you don't have to go real expensive on bass fishing either. You can get aluminum bass boats, but it just, just seems to be more gear and more expertise required, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I would say go for both. Have redfish tournaments as well as bass tournaments. Anyway, we'll be keeping you up to date on how that develops, and uh, looks like we're just about out of time. So here we are on this rainy Saturday morning. I'm getting a break right now at St. Hubert's Cathedral, but I know more is coming. Be careful if you're going to be out there. Maybe plan your trip for tomorrow. looks like it's going to be a much better day. Winds are going to be down. Tide is up from what it was last week. Not a bad chance to get out there. And, of course, tomorrow, last shot for you turkey hunters. In fact, some of the zones are closed, but tomorrow will be the final day of turkey season. But guess what's open? Spring squirrel season. That's one of those things that I just can't figure, and there's not many people participate in it. Maybe we'll talk a lot more about that next week. There'll be a lot of things we talk about. We never run short of information pertaining to the great outdoors of hunting and fishing. That's because Louisiana is truly a sportsman's paradise. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here again next week. Remember, we start dark and early, 5 a.m. every Saturday morning, Big 870 WWL AM 105.3 FM, and the rest of the outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Nation's network affiliates. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.